Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg B., joined today by Jacob. Hello. And we are going to be reviewing Warsaw City of Ruins. But first, let's talk about some tales from the tabletop, specifically a very tiny tabletop. Yep. We played in, or GM'd rather, a tiny dungeon this weekend at WashingtonCon. Yeah, that was uh, that was really super cool. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen our WashingtonCon coverage yet, uh, Tiny Dungeon is a sort of a homebrew RPG situation in which you have uh, modular rooms constructed out of like interlocking blocks, mm-hmm. and they not only are you know sort of built out of modular pieces themselves, they are modular. So you put uh, the PCs who are themselves constructed out of uh, little little blocks into the first room and then they say all right well we want to go left and you go and you grab a room from the pile and say i want them to encounter uh, an egyptian themed room or uh, like an underwater room or what have you mm-hmm. so uh, it's really cool really flexible and definitely requires that you think on your feet uh, which was pretty great actually yeah for sure it was it was a very interesting experience because I mean, we had we had very different experiences, both of us, because you had all people that were around our age, maybe yeah, a little bit older. Less. I had kids. Yeah, I had kids all day. Right. So that was that was just very different for each of us, and um, I still enjoyed it. I mean, the first one that I ran, and I think the one one of the big things is just because I wasn't as comfortable with the system myself. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely did it more based on like you know, if you want to do something, let's see what you roll. If you can justify this, I'll let you do it. And like, I wasn't really writing down the the hit points and that kind oh, of stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. And like. You know, the movement that made it very flexible that, yeah, you could get to about here instead of just like as the the system intended, which was like, yeah, you have one movement, which is this many blocks. And yeah, it's, it, that, that was a bit too limited for me. But yeah, the, the first one that I went through was was interesting. I had like, I think a five year old or something like that oh, in, in my uh, my group with her father and then like and her older sister who was like, I don't know, like. 13 or something okay um and then another like 10 year old in there so it was it was an interesting one we we went through um there was a lot of taming animals uh Mm -hmm. there was riding horses there was stealing shields and masks and other things like that yeah i feel like that could be interesting because so i as you mentioned i played with groups of people who were probably closer to our age range and i felt like had some experience with rpgs and so a lot of them were thinking about okay we're going to approach this from a puzzle element or we're going to approach this from like a combat situation and like they were flexible with it you know because it's not it's not strictly like a D system but like yeah. having D experience sort of colors your approach to things and i like i feel like playing with young kids would actually sort of even amp up that creativity because you don't have a lot of preconceptions you're just coming into this like this is what i want to do go nuts with it type of thing yeah uh the problem being that when they are that young they don't really understand rules sure yeah five is yeah five is hard yeah like um i tried to make as many accommodations as possible for it like you know made it much more narrative made it like Mm -hmm. you know exploring this room and 
and bringing the rooms that I thought that they would like. Like, for example, of course, I brought the room that had the the pony because that one was the one that she noticed, first of all, right. in, the, in the stack and was like, yes, I want uh, yeah, this room is cool. I'm like, all right, that room's going to be part of this at some point or other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. I brought like I brought out the big tower for that one, and at one point, one of the floor tiles fell through on that, and so I like had intentionally. Them. No, like unintentionally. Oh, that's awkward. Um, but I was just like, yep. Oh, well, you land there, and it's a trap, and it falls through along with you and that one enemy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so there, there was some interesting things there, and um, in general, I think it ended well. Uh, I think my second session though was was the better one. Hmm. Uh, that one I still had. I had two younger kids and their and their parents, but they were older than five. I think one was like eight or nine, and the other one was like twelve ish, okay. something like that. A little bit better. So yeah, a little bit better. But it seems that their parents have had played RPGs with them in the past, mm. so they knew at least like. You know, the basics of like taking turns and what actions could do and that kind of stuff. Sure. Young enough to still have that rampant creativity, but also sort of familiar enough with like a formal rule set Mm -hmm. to like adhere to one when they see it. Exactly. Exactly. And and it was that kind of thing where uh, the parents also got really into it. So it was nice because like the mom, first thing she did, we got we went to the pirate room. I gave her um, she her weapons were two hairbrushes. Okay, all right. So I gave her like a hypnotizing power that let her pretty much make friends with any animals. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she tamed the monkey. Right, like you do, as one does when there is a monkey and one yeah. can tame animals. Pretty much. So that was a constant throughout the entire game that the monkey was being used to do all different kinds of things. And uh, uh, that was that was fun. And then uh, so we had that. And then I also brought out the uh, one of the really cool actual technical puzzle rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were the the people who designed the rooms did an incredible job with some of those. Mm-hmm. And the problem was that I hadn't like solved it myself in the yeah. past. <laughs> so like I, I had a basic idea of like what was going to happen. And I knew you had to turn one thing and do one other thing. But I was just like, I hope that this is not too difficult. It was the blue and red room. It was the one with the gears. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I use that one too. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, we we managed to get it get it open, and uh, without me looking like too much of a fool, uh, which is which is usually pretty cool. But <laughs> but yeah, no, it was fun because like what they did, uh, I had right before that room, I had the precipice room. So the first thing that happens is they they come up to the uh, to the precipice and they're like, okay, I cut the ropes of the rope bridge, and they they did that on purpose. Yes, they did that on purpose. It's a little weird. And so when they did that, they like yeah, uh, they they knocked the guy in the middle into the into the the deep pit. And sure. Then, like they actually negotiated with the pirates in the room prior to get a piece of their pier to then use in order to span the room, in order to, and use the monkey to help us secure it. All right. And and pretty much they did a uh, this is Sparta on the other two guys oh. who were around there. <laughs> So like when where they attacked with magic, then uh, the two other characters just like push you into the hole. Oh, push you into the hole too. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. I like. But it. I, th- I think the, what stuck out to me the most about that that session was that one of the girls, uh, when she created her character, her character was carrying a magnifying glass. Or, or first of all, all the characters were like 
actual representations of them in a way okay they, they weren't they didn't go into like fantasy okay so it was like the mom had the hairbrushes because well she has like the mom powers of like you know taming any any hair and that right. kind of stuff and and so like you know i was trying i made like the the different stat changes based on that and then while the girls was uh, saying that she had a magnifying glass and a sword she's like yeah so like i'm a scientist and like i just won like this uh, singing competition or something like that and then but I don't know very well how to use a sword. I just have it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. All well, right. that means that you're not getting a lot of like, you know, might, but uh, right. but you get a lot of magic. Right. So like, yeah. your, your main focus is magic and doing this and this and that kind of stuff. And you can use your magic powers to stun, ev- like sing and, and stun everyone in, in the room kind of thing. Oh, that's really fun. And yeah, so it was like, they were, they had a lot of fun. The other one was uh, saying that she was into gymnastics and so like you know she had a sword fighter who could do all that flippy stuff and pretty much be uh laura croft right yeah super <laughs> agile super yeah, yeah. all right and That's she cool. like, one of her first things was to um uh jump up because i gave her the ability to pretty much flip up onto any kind of like surface kind of thing like go up any any uh walls height. and stuff okay um cool. like that was her magic or special ability and the first thing is she just jumps up into the crow's nest and, and like pretty much talks the uh, the Jack Sparrow like pirate like uh, into giving her one of his weapons and ex- or like safe passages or no some kind of thing like a favor in return for the trophy that she was holding. Okay. So like it was like okay cool. All right. All right. Yeah. They never ended up using that favor, but you know they. I got mean, it. hey, they they got through the the challenge. Yeah, in a very creative way. So they did. It was it was uh, it was fun. It was a nice. Uh, they were a fun group of people to to play with. So um, I enjoyed that one. Very cool. I had two groups as well. Uh, my morning group was by far the more interesting. So we'll do them second. The group that I had in the afternoon, they were cool too. Like, don't get me wrong, they're not they're not boring. But there was only two of them. Uh, oh. They they were going to have a third, but the third bailed. Um, so it was just the two of them, uh, and you know, one of them, what did they say to start with? One of them was, uh, like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation. And he Mm. had like a coffee mug, Mm -hmm. uh, in order to like sort of keep his mind alert. And the other guy was a warrior priest. Okay. But they mentioned, uh, that the Jekyll and Hyde guy was like an accountant and that they were friends from outside of work and they would sometimes like go bass fishing together. So I'm like, all right, so I've got a warrior priest, but this is clearly contemporary. So we did this sort of like alt fantasy mm. type situation. Um, that was a lot of fun. I also, that was when I used the puzzle room with the gear and it just ended up, you know, cause it, it was just the three of us. So it was a lot easier to sort of, you know, shoot the shit yeah. and, uh, and have a lot of fun. And it felt less like running a session and more just like you know fooling around yeah uh, so that was a blast that was really cool and then uh my my morning group though was was really interesting so i had that one had a full four people and the characters that they created were i had an ancient egyptian captain of the guard okay uh, with a giant scythe her scythe the the miniature for this mm-hmm. was like the size of her character nice. it was really impressive uh so that was cool uh there was a guy who was like a member of a Japanese boy band from an environment where Japanese boy bands had like caused an apocalypse or something. I don't, it was very okay. unclear, um, right. kind of anime inspired. And then I had George and George and George played, uh, Lewis 
uh, an 18th century French explorer from the Lewis and Clark expedition, but not that Lewis, just a different Lewis who happened to be on the expedition. Okay. And George played Janet, uh, the person. And the reason it, <laughs> that her name was Janet, the person is because she had been in a, an industrial accident and her entire lower half had been replaced with a robotic like track conveyor belt <laughs> system almost and that was her form of locomotion but she was very sensitive about it and she was still very much like adamant that she was a human being so when i said janet the robot he said no no janet the person so that was my group and i was like well what the hell am i supposed to do with this so essentially i just threw them into like a dungeon that ended up with a bit of an egyptian theme mm-hmm. and the story that sort of unfolded was that like the pharaoh's evil brother had attempted to create a time portal to go back in time and become the king but it ended up creating ripples into the future as well and that's how they had all gotten pulled into this weird mm. sort of time paradox location uh and okay. they encountered some like anachronistic british explorers and some some puzzle rooms and uh it was very very goofy uh that was definitely yeah. that was definitely all over the place because you had and and people brought very different sensibilities to it as well because you know they're they've created these characters and so they're role playing them and so you've got you know sort of this Japanese boy band guy who was very like anime esque about it like he was mm-hmm. or like like Final Fantasy about it like yeah. you know almost he didn't use the words limit break but like describing something like that like an ultimate move and like mm-hmm. very into like you know ridiculous action poses and somersaults and yeah. things uh, and then you had Louis D who is just like this no-nonsense 18th century French explorer who's just like, what am I, what is this? Just like, give me that gun. And yeah. like, <laughs> it, it, like, it was all over the place. It was a lot of fun. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a blast to run. I think everybody that I saw and heard and, and played with myself had a ton of fun and they got to keep their, uh, their little miniatures yeah. as sort of like a souvenir, uh, which was really great because they were, they were definitely very unique. You know, there mm-hmm. was just a, a pile of like, you know, heads and bodies and legs and then the various accessories. And so the the things that people ended up putting together were just super, you know, off the wall and, oh, for uh, sure. and definitely memorable. Yeah, definitely. It, it was it was a fun experience for all, I think. Yeah. Uh yeah, and well, that's our tales from the tiny tabletop. Alrighty, and now let's jump right into our review. Uh, so this week we are reviewing Warsaw City of Ruins. This is a game that was originally published in Poland uh, by Grana uh, and was brought over to the United States by North Star Games. Mm-hmm. I was very excited to play this. I heard about it first at Tabletop Day. Right. Got to play it at Origins and um, now you know got to play it a few more times. It's time for a review. The game itself is about building Warsaw and having the different uh, districts pretty much evolve through the different eras. And so you have a few different really cool things that happen here because you are actually going through a lot of the history of, of Warsaw and how it was built. And you have, uh, you know, it starts with, you know, some very like much older kind of buildings and like how that, that comes in and it's much more of a small city, like starting to get built into the town. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you get to, to the different epochs and ages that like have more and more different cities, like you know, tighter residential areas, some of the like special buildings and that kind of stuff. 
But the cool part, I think, is that it actually does incorporate the two world wars. Yes. Yeah, the the game, sort of the, almost the historical arc of the game, I think, is very well integrated into the gameplay. And it, it's definitely an example of mechanics and theme sort of reflecting one another. So at the core of it, Warsaw is a tile laying game. Yeah. Your uh, two to four players are going to take turns drafting tiles. Each tile has a different type. So you have uh, residential areas, commercial areas, parks, things like that. And each of these are going to have different rules for how they give you uh, one of two resources, either points or money. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're drafting these tiles. Each turn, you're either going to choose one to play into your city and pay its cost, or you're going to uh, sell one to gain money, which is a, a very important aspect of the game because money is sort of how you continue to build out your city. Um, the, the maximum size of your city of Warsaw is either 3x4 or 4x3, and you've got sort of unique adjacency bonuses. You know, parks give you more points based on how many residential areas they're next to. Commercial districts give you more money based on how many residential areas they're next to. So between these two aspects, the, the size constraints and the adjacency bonuses, you're really trying to think strategically about what type of city am I going for? What type of tile do I want to play down here? Where can I optimize... Um, and and things like that. Exactly. And so, like the types of uh, the types of things that you can find on the tiles, and, and the tiles themselves are actually pretty interesting because they are divided into quadrants. And so you can have you know two different types of of buildings on a tile. You can have just a, one tile that's fully like you know a park or a commercial district or something like that. And those are much more common in the early game. But then as you go late game, you start getting ones that have four different types on them or like two different types, but they're all diagonal and not like adjacent, like split in half like they used to be. And this is just really cool because it just gives you a little bit of a, a diversity in like how the tiles will work together and how you can develop your city or your district of Warsaw within that those constraints, pretty much. And I think one of the things that I appreciate most about the game is that they have tiles that are, well, real places that I have been to. Yeah, and I know this is huge for you, because obviously Warsaw, Poland, like, mm -hmm. this is a very personal connection to this game for you, and that's what makes it uh, really one of the things that makes it so enjoyable, I think, for you. Exactly. It's like, you know, I, I'll see things like the Royal Bath Parks or Wajenki in Polish, and that's somewhere that I was, like, you know, a few years ago when I went there or like the Vilanov Palace and like, you know, all these things, most of them, the ones that are in Polish are like spelled correctly and everything written <laughs> right. And because they even have like all the, like the, the actual like symbols and all that kind of stuff that you see in the Polish language, right. Which I very much appreciate. And so it's just, it's just really cool to see that on the tiles as well. And then just like, you know, placing them in the different places and like just building your districts is, 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 I think, a really interesting take on the tile placement mechanic. Right. And so, you know, those are the core mechanics. You're going to go through each of the, the first three eras kind of just doing that. Mm -hmm. um, there's also an interesting mechanic called milestones, where at the end of each era, whoever meets a certain qualification, whether it's, uh, yeah. you know, the most of X type of uh, area or the least of that, or I think some of them are most or least money, um, mm -hmm. is going to be able to claim a free tile, which gives you a sort of a powerful and unique bonus. 
that is similar in ways to the public buildings that yeah. Jacob mentioned, uh, but you didn't have to pay for it. You just got it for free. Mm-hmm. And the the public buildings themselves, yeah, as as well as the milestones, they all give you like these special things. So the you know, adjacency bonuses, bonuses for what's in your in your city, and other powers like you know the armory lets you not destroy as much uh, during the wars and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which then brings us to the First World War. So you know mm-hmm. Warsaw, being a historically based game, does incorporate these elements. So at the end of Era Three, every player is going to have to remove one stack of tiles from their city yeah. and it has to be you know uh, a stack that doesn't leave any areas off uh you know unconnected to everything else uh, and, but it does have to be removed sort of representing the devastation that swept through poland during the first world war and then at the end of era four you have to remove two separate stacks of tiles and then in world war ii even more devastating for poland uh, you have to remove two stacks of tiles uh, and so it it really can throw a wrench in your gears. You know, you know it's coming because it's printed on the the game board, and you you know that you can plan for it. But simply because of the way that you have to manage your money and the way that you're managing all of your adjacency bonuses, it can be extremely disruptive. So again, you know, just this incorporation of mechanics and theme, I think, uh, marries very well. Yeah. And uh, so we were talking a little bit about the stacks of tiles, and that is a mechanic that we haven't mentioned, and that is overbuilding. And this is a really interesting mechanic because what it is is pretty much that you build over your old parts of the city. Mm -hmm. You just build right on top of it, and you can stack as high as you want, really. And the cool part about this is that uh, you get a discount when you build when you overbuild tiles. So however much that first tile costs, you subtract that from the cost of your the tile that you're building on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so that really helps, especially in the mid to late game, because that's when you, the tiles get really a lot more expensive. So you have to start, you know, balancing like how much money do I have? How much money do I want to spend? If I overbuild it here, is this going to be something better? Is this going to be something worse? And that also allows you to customize just like how your whole, how your city is being built in mm-hmm. general like you know this used to be a commercial district but right now it makes more sense for me to put this you know double theater district with parks in it instead because it'll give me more points because it's getting to late game right uh and the, this game is all about that it's all about sort of looking at decisions on the margins and looking at where is the best place to play this right now what will get me the best adjacency bonuses and and sort of balancing expanding your city and making sure that you reach the maximum three by four four by three capacity with maybe you'd get a better bonus if you overbuilt somewhere and saved one of your open slots for some other you know whether it's a public building Mm -hmm. or just a different uh regular tile so those aspects of the game are definitely very strategic they introduce a lot of depth into what is otherwise a very straightforward game of drafting and tile laying so uh, but play is going to continue like this there are six eras uh after the after the second world war at the end of era four there is no more destruction and you can sort of focus on rebuilding. And then at the end of each era, you've been generating money, generating points. So you'll have a little bit of a sense of things. But then in era six, there's a lot of public buildings that come out that sort of affect your point scoring. So, you know, points for each of, you know, a certain type of building. So points for each commercial district or points for each park, things like that. So, you know, that's almost those end game bonuses, but they're very integrated into the drafting mechanism. And then the game's over and you you check to see who has the most points. Exactly. And the game itself is uh, relatively fast-paced. 
Uh, you go through it pretty quickly. There's, I mean, you know, there's there's definitely chances to sit there and like look at your tiles, like what the heck do I want to do? Where do I want to place this? How do, how do I want to do this? But for the most part, there isn't that much analysis paralysis. Right. And as with any sort of game with a drafting mechanic, there's always going to be a little bit of friendly pressure Yeah. in the game. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. Pass me the tiles. Pass me the tiles. Or, uh, and also coming with that is like, all right, so I've got these two tiles and none of them really work well for me, but I know that this one's going to work really well for Greg, so I'm not going to take that. Right. I'm not, not going to give him that one. There that is hate drafting. It's true. But in general... I think that is it's just really interesting to see how the the game just evolves through through each of the ages and like how I think that one of the the most uh, apparent things is that you start with a focus on money. Most of the early game points uh, scoring like abilities are very weak. Like you you're just like getting like maybe two three points maybe even four if you're really lucky on the first round and for mm. the first era and then like you know, maybe you're getting that same amount on the second one but you're you're almost staying with the pack there before doing a pivot to points in the uh, mid late game kind of thing it's like you know eras definitely five and six but mm-hmm. a little bit in four as well Right. And I think, you know, part of it is a factor of the types of areas that are common on tiles in the early game, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's mostly uh, limited access to point scoring areas. So, you know, you've got parks, those only get you so many points. And it's not really until later in the game when you get um, some sort of powerful public buildings, uh, metro stations can get you a lot of points very quickly, that those really start to come into vogue. And a lot of the early game is much more about you know, generating a strong economy with uh, money generating public buildings, commercial districts being able to get a base that you can play from so that you're not having to discard too many tiles. Because that, I think, is sort of the fundamental limiting aspect of gameplay is is, is money. Um, yeah. So the more money that you're able to generate without selling tiles, the more tiles you're able to play in a single turn, the better you set yourself up for future turns. It's almost a very uh, cyclical situation yeah yeah and i think that that brings us a pretty good segue to no game is perfect yeah and i think that that's hey what we were just talking about is both a strength and a weakness of the game the money can be very very much overpowered and like if you don't concentrate on an early game you are going to get screwed right it's you know We've played a few games. We can sort of sit back and say, okay, this is generally how the arc of the game goes. You spend the early game, maybe the first two, three, even Mm -hmm. four eras, building up your economy before making a strong pivot to points in the later eras with that economic base that you've built up. That's sort of contrary to what I feel like is the way that most people would approach a game, which is, oh, there's things that can get me points. I'm going to play those things so that I can start generating points early and get the most out of them. Mm -hmm. But that's really, really going to hamstring you. If you make it to era four, even era five and six, and you're selling half the buildings every round, those are just objectively better than the buildings that you were purchasing in the early rounds that you want to be overbuilding at this stage. And so it's a little bit one note um you know one of the things that we've commented on positively about other games in the past has been multiple paths to victory Mm -hmm. and i think warsaw almost kind of lacks that i think it's very much spend your early turn building up your economy and then you know get bonuses where you can from arts districts and then pivot harder 
to points, whether it's from public buildings or whether it's from, you know, more arts districts later on in the game when you have the industrial base to support that type of thing. And I think there's not a lot of other paths to victory. I think that's the way to go. Yeah, that's pretty much been our experience where it's like you, you have to do it that way and the person who does that the best. So it's it's more like, you know, creating the best engine of what you have in your repertoire with like your district and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think that that's a bit limiting. I think that it definitely makes it a little bit difficult to actually get into the game. And I mm-hmm. think that it's the kind of thing where if you're playing against someone who has played it, this game a lot, you are going to probably get destroyed unless you're really quick to pick these kinds of things up. Right, because they're going to know that that's a winning strategy. And you, you know, like I mentioned, I feel like the more obvious strategy is go for a mix uh, as opposed to hardcore early money. Yeah, and then the biggest thing is like at that point, like in the mid to late game, you're selling just so many good tiles. Like Greg said, it's there's you're you're missing out on so much. Yeah, like it's better to miss out in the early game on something, and as long as you're able to get like more money and just build up that up a bit in order to be able to pivot and buy those other things later on. Yeah, and that's just far superior. Yep, that's. Uh, I think that's pretty much an honest assessment of both an aspect of the game and what we think is probably its biggest drawback yeah for sure that all being said uh, this game was a lot of fun to play yeah totally agree i i enjoy it i am biased uh as, as <laughs> one would bit. expect because uh, it has to do with poland and i am very interested in you know polish game companies polish like themed games and that kind of stuff uh so yes i i was very very excited to bring this game out and i mean i think it's a fun game i think it is an enjoyable game and i think it's a game that uh you should play so my rating is definitely going to be a play it yeah i'm gonna mirror that um i think the game's biggest draw is some of its more unique mechanics you know overbuilding uh tile destruction i think these are the things that make it an interesting game and a fun game to play but i don't think it's necessarily so strong that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna buy this over any other specimen in that genre so play it uh you know it is fun it is interesting it's got uh some unique things going for it but overall i don't think it's one that you have to buy there we go and now let's finish it off with um, some of the games that we think are similar. So if you like this, you'd like those and vice versa. I think the first one I'm going to mention is Quadropolis. Uh, and this is another game about building a city. And uh, a lot of this is a similar kind of uh, you have to have things in, in the right places and in, in like these regions, that kind of thing. The, the difference here is instead of drafting, you have a board that lets you take different tiles based on where other players placed uh, certain pieces and things like that. Um, and you can only take those tiles and place them in, in certain areas based on where you took them from. So it, it's got a little bit more of like a strategic puzzly aspect, even more than Warsaw City of Ruin. And so it's just like... I think that that's it has a slightly different feel, definitely more puzzly, but still similar enough. There you go. And the second game uh, that we think that this is pretty similar to is Between Two Cities, particularly including the Capitals expansion. So a lot of similarities here in terms of tile drafting, tile laying, 
The difference obviously there being that between two cities, you're building something collaboratively. So in that regard, each of them sort of has different aspects that make it unique. You know, if you like the idea of working solo and trying to sort of work around various constraints with regard to, uh, you know, the size and shape and uh, in inevitable tile destruction, then maybe check out Warsaw. If you're more interested in some of the, the complexities offered by collaborative building, check out Between Two Cities. And I mentioned the Capitals expansion because that is what includes the uh, civic buildings, which are very much parallel to Warsaw City of Ruins uh, public buildings. So those are definitely two similar games. If you like one, we imagine you'll like the other. And there you have it. That's a review of Warsaw City of Ruins. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope that you enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun at WashingtonCon the other week, and we have uh, some really fun coverage that is out now on YouTube, on uh, our last podcast, and just in a lot of different places. So definitely go ahead and check that out. We had a lot of fun talking to some designers, one of whom has a Kickstarter up right now. Our friend Omaria Keel of Rap Gods is currently still on Kickstarter, so definitely check out that one right now. It is a very unique game. The theme is something you don't really see, and I think that I would really love to see the game like fully finished, and it, it just seems awesome. So uh, I would take a look at that if I were you. And then keep an eye out on our page for our other friends from Gladius when they go live. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking to them, and, and we have Jenga interviews from both Victoria and Alex from Gladius, as well as Omari from Rap Gods that are up now. Finally, join us next week for another episode of Dragon's Demise.